Good morning and welcome to 5 at 8. It's Monday, August 14th, 2023. And with me here is Linda Carlisle. I'm Mark Overman, and here are the day's top stories. In this episode, we will talk about the latest news stories. Odessa. Ukraine faces another night of Russian drone and missile attacks. The United Nations peacekeeping mission in Mali accelerates its withdrawal. The rising cost of basic food items in the UK, the increasing popularity of video doorbells as a home security measure, and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's visit to munitions factories in order to increase weapon production. Stay tuned for all the details. Story number one. Odessa, Ukraine has experienced another night of Russian drone and missile attacks, resulting in at least three injuries. Fires broke out due to falling rocket fragments, causing damage to buildings. According to The Guardian, Ukraine's air defense forces successfully destroyed all 15 drones and eight sea-based missiles launched by Russia at the port. The nearby city of Mykolaiv was also targeted. Odessa, the largest port and naval base in Ukraine, has been under repeated attacks since Russia withdrew from a UN agreement allowing safe grain shipments from Ukrainian ports. There's no denying the drastic shift in warfare tactics we've been witnessing, especially with the current situation in Ukraine. Drone and missile attacks have become all too common, replacing the more traditional boots-on-the-ground approach. Linda, can you elaborate on this transition and its implications? It's indeed a concern that warfare has evolved into this less physically apparent, but equally, if not more, destructive form. The use of drones and missiles, as we're seeing in Ukraine, allows for remote attacks causing significant damage to infrastructure and, tragically, civilian lives. It's a method that reduces direct physical confrontation, but the psychological impact on the targeted population is profound. Right. And it's not just the immediate physical damage, isn't it? Like in Odessa, these strikes have disrupted crucial grain shipments. What are the potential ripple effects of such disruptions? Well, Mark, the disruption of grain shipments from Ukraine has both local and global implications. Locally, it could lead to food shortages and escalate the humanitarian crisis. Globally, Ukraine is one of the world's largest grain exporters. So a halt in its shipments could drive up global food prices and impact economies worldwide. It also poses challenges to food security in countries that rely on Ukraine's grain. Wow, so the implications are far-reaching. And what about the international community's role? Especially since Russia backed out from a UN agreement. How can organizations like the UN intervene in such situations? Great question, Mark. The UN and other international bodies have a role to play in condemning such actions and imposing sanctions. However, their effectiveness can be limited without the cooperation of powerful nations. In this case, Russia's withdrawal from the UN agreement complicates things. So, the international response requires not just condemnation, but also diplomatic negotiations and actions that help mitigate the impact on the affected civilians and maintain global stability. So in essence, it's a complex issue that needs a comprehensive approach, huh? Not just addressing the immediate crisis, but also the potential long-term effects. Economic, humanitarian and even psychological. Couldn't have put it better myself. It's a multi-layered issue where the immediate and long-term effects are intertwined. The need of the hour is a global effort to manage this crisis and work towards peace and stability. Story number two. The United Nations peacekeeping mission in Mali, known as MINUSMA, has accelerated its withdrawal from the city of BER due to increased fighting and deteriorating security, as reported by Al Jazeera. 
The move has heightened tensions between Mali's military government and the rebel coordination of Azawad movements, CMA. The CMA has accused Malian forces and Russian Wagner Group troops of violating a ceasefire, while Mali's army has reported that six of its soldiers were killed by armed terrorist groups. The departure of MINUSMA has raised concerns about the resurgence of a separatist uprising in Mali, a country plagued by unrest since 2012. The CMA, seeking independence from the Malian state, controls most areas of the north. MINUSMA has been present in Mali for the past decade and played a role in curbing the rebel separatist uprising through the signing of the 2015 Algiers Accord. How about that, Linda? The UN's peacekeeping mission in Mali is pulling out of the city of BR, and it's causing all kinds of uproar. Now I'm all for minimizing unnecessary risks, especially when it comes to our brave blue helmets. But, uh, there's a part of me that can't help but wonder if this withdrawal isn't just, I don't know, a bit premature. The situation there is still really volatile, with the rebels and Malian troops at each other's throats. Hmm, I see where you're coming from, Mark. But let's not forget that the UN is caught in a delicate balancing act here. Yes, the situation is volatile, but maintaining a presence there could... It could inadvertently escalate things, and we can't ignore the fact that their presence for the past decade hasn't exactly resolved the conflict. Perhaps a strategic withdrawal might push the local factions to work towards a more sustainable resolution? Sure, I get that, Linda, but... Uh, we can't just ignore the dangers that this unexpected departure could bring. It's like pulling a plug and expecting the water not to flood. The separatist uprising could gain momentum. And let's not forget about the potential for armed groups to spread their insurgency to neighboring countries. It's a real powder keg, this one. Indeed, it's a complex issue, Mark. But we must also consider the potential implications of prolonged international intervention. It can sometimes create a dependence that stymies local capacity for conflict resolution. I'm not saying that withdrawal is a perfect solution, but... But perhaps it's time to explore other diplomatic avenues, other measures that respect Mali's sovereignty while also addressing the root causes of the conflict. Well, Linda, I just hope that this move won't trigger a domino effect, leading to more unrest in the region. We can't afford to let Mali become another failed state. But hey, at the end of the day, it's about striking that balance, right? Balance is key. And it's crucial to remember that these decisions should always prioritize the welfare of the local population. They are the ones bearing the brunt of these conflicts, after all. Story number three. The cost of basic food items such as cheese, butter and bread has increased by over 30% in the past two years in the UK, causing financial strain on low-income households. While food price inflation has slowed in recent months, prices remain significantly higher than they were in 2021. Milk, cheese, butters and spreads, cakes and cookies and bakery items have experienced the highest rates of inflation. Vegetable and meat prices have also risen, along with biscuit and juice drink prices. Consumer Rights Group, which is urging supermarkets to stock their cheapest products in all their stores to help families cope with food inflation. Debt charity StepChange warns that rising food costs are forcing households to make desperate choices between paying bills and buying food. The Trussell Trust, a food bank network, highlights that inflation hits those with low incomes the hardest, as the cost of essentials takes up a larger portion of their budget. According to The Guardian, which calls on grocers to make affordable and healthy basic food ranges available in all their stores, ensure that offers and promotions support those in need, and provide clear pricing for shoppers.
Tesco has announced the introduction of cheaper own-brand items in its convenience stores, but more action is needed as own-brand items are still more expensive than budget ranges. Is this really a surprise, though, Linda? Inflation is a normal part of any economy. Prices of goods and services naturally increase over time. It's just the way the economy works. Plus, with the pandemic and global supply chain disruptions, it's no wonder that prices are on the rise. Yes, Mark. While it's true that inflation is a part of our economic system, it doesn't change the fact that it's disproportionately affecting the poorest among us. These increases are not just a few cents here and there. We're talking about a 30% increase in the cost of basic food items. That's a significant jump, and it's causing real hardship for families, forcing them to choose between paying bills and buying groceries. I totally get that, Linda. And it's a tough situation, no doubt. But look, businesses are also grappling with increased costs of production and transportation. They're not hiking prices for fun. They're trying to stay afloat, too. And it's important to note that inflation can drive economic growth by stimulating spending and investment. That may be so, Mark. But we cannot ignore the fact that the burden of these price hikes is falling on those least able to afford it. It's creating what's called a poverty premium, where the poor end up paying more because they can't buy in bulk or take advantage of discounts. And let's not forget the health implications of not being able to afford nutritious food. I'm not disputing that, Linda. It's a complex issue, and there's no easy solution. On one hand, we have businesses trying to survive, and on the other, we have consumers struggling to cope. But I believe in the resilience of markets and the power of innovation. Maybe this will drive us to find more cost-effective ways to produce and distribute goods. Well, Mark, I hope you're right. But in the meantime, we need immediate solutions to alleviate the pressure on low-income families. Whether it's by supermarkets stocking their cheapest products in all their branches or governments stepping in to provide relief, something needs to be done now. We can't just wait and hope for future innovations to solve the problem. Story number four. In a report from the BBC, video doorbells, also known as smart doorbells, are gaining popularity as a home security measure. These doorbells connect to a property's Wi-Fi and allow users to receive instant notifications and video footage of someone at their front door, even when they are away from home. Police forces are increasingly using video doorbell footage as evidence to help solve crimes, and some cases have been successfully prosecuted with the help of these recordings. However, there is mixed evidence on whether video doorbells actually deter crime. Some studies have shown a reduction in crime rates in areas with video doorbells while others suggest that they may make homes more vulnerable to burglary by indicating affluence. Privacy concerns have also been raised, as the cameras can record the comings and goings of neighbors. Despite these concerns, the popularity of video doorbells continues to rise, with Amazon's Ring being the best-selling brand in the market. Why, Linda, do folks even bother with these video doorbells? This article suggests it's much more complex than just nabbing porch pirates. Well, Mark, it's a multifaceted issue. On one hand, these doorbells can provide a sense of security, delivering real-time alerts and recordings of any activity at the front door. They also have the potential to aid police investigations, as the footage they capture can be used as evidence. Yeah, but there's a flip side to that, right? That same technology can be misused, and privacy concerns are a big deal. I mean, the article mentions instances where companies handed over footage to the police without homeowner consent. That's got to ruffle some feathers, don't you think? It's a valid concern. 
In the pursuit of security, we must ensure we don't compromise our personal freedoms. The key here is balance. While these devices can contribute to public safety, there needs to be stringent regulations in place to prevent their misuse and to safeguard privacy rights. Huh. And then there's the argument that these doorbells might be acting like a neon sign for burglars, telling them, hey, this household might have some valuable stuff. Kinda ironic, isn't it? Yes, it is, to some extent. But remember, any security measure can potentially be exploited if not used properly. The key lies in using such devices as part of a comprehensive home security strategy and not relying on them as the sole deterrent. Makes sense, Linda. And what about the broader implications? This trend of increasing surveillance? It's not just limited to our homes, is it? No, it's not, Mark. We're seeing a proliferation of surveillance technologies in various aspects of our lives. It's part of a broader conversation about privacy in our increasingly digital world. We need to carefully consider how such innovations intersect with and potentially conflict with our civil liberties. It's a complex issue that requires nuanced thinking and careful regulation. Story number five. In a report from Al Jazeera, it is stated that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has visited key munitions factories and ordered an increase in the production of missiles and other weapons. The inspections are part of a series of visits by Kim to defense facilities, where he has emphasized the mass production of weapons. The visits come as South Korea and the United States prepare for annual military drills that North Korea views as an invasion rehearsal. It also comes as U.S. officials believe Russia is seeking North Korean weapons for its war with Ukraine. Kim has been focusing on enlarging his nuclear and missile arsenals since his diplomacy with former U.S. President Donald Trump collapsed in 2019. Many experts believe that Kim aims to use his modernized weapons arsenals to gain concessions from the U.S. in future diplomacy. Might just be me. But it seems like Kim Jong-un is really ramping up North Korea's missile production capacity, huh? The sheer number of visits to defense facilities and the call for mass production of weapons. It's definitely a cause for concern. This escalation is particularly worrisome, especially considering the ongoing tensions in the region. The timing with the U.S. and South Korea preparing for their annual military drills, is also quite telling. It's reminiscent of the arms races we've seen in history. It's like we're seeing a replay of the Cold War-era arms race, only this time with North Korea as a major player. The fact that the U.S. believes Russia is seeking North Korean weapons for its war in Ukraine only thickens the plot. Indeed, and it's not just about the weaponry, but also the alliances being formed. Kim Jong-un seems to be strategically aligning himself with countries like China and Russia, which could have significant implications for the balance of power on the global stage. True, Linda. And let's not forget the implications for the U.S. and its allies. If North Korea continues to increase its military capabilities, it'll pose a significant threat to the security of the U.S. and South Korea. Not to mention, the potential for an arms race could destabilize the entire region. This is a complex situation with many potential outcomes and complications. Ultimately, the best resolution could be through dialogue and partnership. At the end of the day, any form of military escalation only increases the risk of conflict. Couldn't agree more, Linda. There's an urgent need for diplomacy and negotiations to mitigate these tensions. After all, history has shown us that arms races seldom lead to peaceful outcomes. Let's hope the key players realize this sooner rather than later. That's it for this morning. 
Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.